It's the first off-season horsing around podcast. I'm Andrew Mason. Thank you for joining me here on DenverBroncos.com or on the Broncos app or wherever you may be finding us as 2018 begins. Obviously, we're turning the page on a frustrating 2017 for the Denver Broncos into what the team hopes is a brighter 2018. And we're going to get this year started with a conversation that we had with former Broncos offensive lineman Casey Jones, of course a member of the Super Bowl winning teams back in the late 1990s as a backup offensive lineman. And if you've been on DenverBroncos.com, well I'm sure you have, you're visiting with us right now. You may have seen him on some of our videos, including Block and Tackle and uh, the Glass Tech Game Reflections that he hosts with me when we take a look back at some plays from the previous game. Well, Casey Jones hopped in studio uh, with myself, Steve Atwater, and Ryan Edwards on 1st and 10 at 10 on Friday. We talked mostly about the Broncos, specifically about the offensive line in particular. He had some insights about what he expects to see next up front from the Broncos, and yeah, you know, there's been a lot of chatter, obviously, about the quarterback situation. We know how that's the top priority, but I thought it was interesting to focus on something else for a little bit. Now, we did get into some of the draft quarterbacks. Of course, the Broncos will be working with Baker Mayfield at the Senior Bowl, and we learned Friday that Josh Allen out of Wyoming is going to be at the Senior Bowl as well. This looks like a very deep Senior Bowl quarterback class. This is the best quarterback crop at the Senior Bowl I've seen in quite some time, and I've been going to this game for a long time, going back to the mid-2000s. So it's a good group. The Broncos, you know, you never want to have a bad year, at least a bad enough year that means you're potentially going to coach in the Senior Bowl. But if you had to go coach a year, this is the year to do it. A very strong crop of players going down to Mobile here in just a few weeks, and the quarterback position in particular is stacked. So we touched on that. We touched on the Broncos' offensive line. Casey Jones shared his thoughts on both subjects and a few others as he joined us in studio on Orange and Blue 760 this week. So please give that a listen and enjoy. And as always, thanks for listening. Thrilled to have him in here, former uh, Broncos offensive lineman K.C. Jones. What's up, K.C.? How are you, man? Good morning, man. Good to be here. Thanks for, uh, thanks for joining us. House. Nice. Hey. Nice. So nice. All right. So tell me, the because because Steve has been brainwashed, tell me, the, <laughs> tell me how important it is that the Broncos have better offensive line play. I feel like they took some steps forward this year. I don't know how you feel, but I feel like the Texans took some steps forward from the previous year. And then you still have a couple things, but tell us the importance of that you think the Broncos should wait in the offseason on the offensive line. Do you put it up there similar to the quarterback? Is it just underneath the quarterback? Tell us about it. I, I think you have to have a quarterback. I think that's the bottom line. You have to have a leader that provides stability, leadership, and direction for the team. And you saw this last year with the Broncos. You got three quarterbacks, you got none. Right? That's mm-hmm. that's just it. And uh, and I think with the, with the quarterback situation, you have to be able to protect that quarterback. Broncos gave up how many sacks? Mace, 52 sacks this year, third third most in the league. Yeah, that's high, not, very high sack rate. Yep. 104 uh, hits on the quarterback this year. Those aren't good. That, that's not a good sign for this offensive line. I like Garrett Bowles. I thought he played excellent as a rookie left tackle. Garcia, I think, struggled a lot in pass protection. Paradis is always – he's solid. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ron Leary was, was good until he was hurt. Connor McGovern stepped up. I thought he played excellent. I think he's going to be a great – 
uh, swing guy for them. Mm-hmm. Hey, what, what did you think about Cyrus Kwan, Joe? He played the whole game that last game against the Chiefs. Yeah, he, he's a big he's a big body in there. Yeah, and I think that's what you need for a right tackle. You need a a road grader at right <laughs> tackle, and I think that's what they they've been missing. They missed that the entire season because when I picture a right tackle, I think of the I think of the big I, I think of Zeus. Yeah, remember Zeus? Oh yeah, his son's right? coming out. Browns. Yeah, 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 exactly. That's what I think of when I think of a right tackle. It's a big road grader guy, mm-hmm. guy who's going to make create movement on that offensive line. And they didn't have that this year. They tried. They, they you know they had three guys that, that, that were in there. Quanjo was the last guy in there, and I think he played probably the the best of the of the three. Are they going to be able to keep him? He does struggle in pass protection. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think you find that I think you find a guy like that in the draft, right? I think I think if you if you if you go out and I'm probably getting way ahead of myself. Here. No, no, please. <clears throat> but this is Sports Talk can, Radio. Just but get if it. if you can find you can that veteran that veteran quarter quarterback to provide leadership for this team, then you can go out and pick the very best available, and, and then you can you can solve some needs that this team really does have. Interesting, you mentioned Zeus. Then have you had a chance to watch his son? Orlando Brown on Oklahoma. He's yeah. a potential top ten. He is tackle. a potential. What do, you, what do you think of him? He, he's a potential, but it's the same the same drawbacks that a quarterback has in the spread offense. So does an offensive lineman. Mm-hmm. You're talking about an offensive lineman that plays in a in a pretty a pretty wide open system. Hasn't spread, been in a three point stand. Hasn't hasn't been in a huddle. Hasn't been in a three point stand. Hasn't really been called upon to move people in the way he's going to be called upon to move people in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think he that there's going to be there's a big question mark there. Is he going to be in a senior bowl? Is he going to be East-West Shrine game? I'm sure he'll be evaluated in one of, one of those games. Um, but I think he's still a question mark. I would go back to – I would go to uh, McGlinchey at Notre Dame, mm-hmm. who's, a, who's a, he's a big, proven big guy. Um, you could take any one of those three All-Americans at Wisconsin that just oh, yeah. beat up on my Canes in, in Miami. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, you could, I think you can solve that in the draft. And, um, and I think with you – know, you look back at the, at the year that Bowles had – I think Bowles also struggled at left tackle when he did. I think those things can be solved by having a veteran offensive lineman take care of him, right, and just, just talk with him. And we talked about it yesterday. Uh, Steve and I talked about it yesterday. The, 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 the Denver Broncos have an a, a incredible resource here with Hall of Famers and all pros of, from their past. Mm-hmm. And how about getting Garrett Bowles in here with, with Gary Zimmerman oh, yeah. or, or my favorite Tony Jones for a week and just sit down and talk to the guy? You know, I don't think that Garrett Bowles – I think that when I look at Garrett Bowles, that's what I see missing. I don't see him being – he's athletic, he's big, he's strong, he's got a – dude, he's got an attitude, right? He likes to bury people, mm-hmm. right? He's intent, he wants to win. Sounds like a good right tackle. Oh, he, no, he's, he sounds like a great left tackle too. But I think what's missing, I think, is, a, is a, there's a confidence piece there and there's – there's, I think he needs to be educated in the ways of a left tackle, not to take one set each and every time. You know, he, when he gets beat, he gets beat, out, he gets beat inside. So it sounds like, that's, and it's and it's not some it's something that happens. That's that's what happens every time when he gets beat. He gets beat inside. Not, he he yeah. doesn't get beat outside. Right. It sounds like you would prefer maybe going with a rookie at another ta- at the other tackle. So so let me let me see if I understand. Yeah. Because for me that sounds like well maybe you should go to free agency and sure. get your other tackle because then that would be an opportunity to work with you Garrett could, Bowles. You could do that absolutely, absolutely. And I think I think with with Ron and I think you're going to have to solve another position at left guard as well. I think you're gonna have to solve that position as well. I think Garcia, I, I think he he played well at times, but a lot of times he's very inconsistent, struggling pass pro. So you keep McGovern as your swing, I think he's a swing guy, rather yeah. than have I think him as your starting I think he's left. a swing guy. Okay. Yeah. Wow. I, I, mm-hmm. I, I thought McGovern actually stepped in and did an admirable job, and with Ron Leary coming back, mm-hmm. I know some people talk about him switching back over to, to the left, left side, guard. yeah, left, left side. And, and the best part about this is if you have the pieces in place, 
that all is going to be decided on the field. It's not going to mm-hmm. be decided yeah. with us talking exactly. about it. Yeah, right? there, there's there's OTAs, there's mini camps, there's there's a, there's there's a fall camp, and the preseason. All that stuff is going to be solved. But I think they struggle with having enough pieces for the for the five spots. I think they probably had three or four maybe tops for those five spots all season long. Yeah, a lot and of I, these guys are going to have their third coach in as many years. Yeah. Now, how's that yeah. going to affect things? I I, I think. Again, stability. You got to find a way to provide stability to those guys, and I think that that stability comes with veteran leadership within a, within the locker room. But also, like you hit it, three coaches in three years doesn't do anybody any favors. They're, learn, they're going to learn a whole new um, a whole new vocabulary from this new coach coming in. So it's going to be a struggle. But it's not rocket science, guys. It's yeah. it's it's not. It's not. These guys are professionals. They'll be able to uh, they'll be able to close that gap pretty relatively quickly, I believe. I like the competition portion of that too, because what you're going to do is is, is you want to have a, a general idea, right? You want to enter training camp with a general idea of who your, your starting five is. Sure, but you've also seen examples, and even recently with the Broncos, even 2015 when they would rotate guys in and out. Mm-hmm. What do you think about rotating offensive lines? I never liked it. Yeah, I never liked it. I think you have a core group of five guys that has to be cohesive, that has to be on the same page, that have to be able to communicate with each other. And that's the, that's the one room of any room, and when I talk about room, I talk about position rooms, on the, on the football team that has to be able to communicate with each other. I think probably the, the second would be probably the defensive backs on mm-hmm. the field. But you're talking about five guys instead of four, sometimes five on defensive backs. But every play, those guys are counting on each other. There's, there's, rel- there's usually no one. There's not, not too many one-on-ones left in the, in the NFL. Right. So every, every the, 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 the what an offensive line is trying to do, what a coach is trying to do is maximize the double teams and minimize the one-on-ones, right? And so that's, that's where the communication comes, comes in handy, right? That's where communication is so, so important. So with five guys, you know you have a sixth sense about where that guy is going to be, what you, you know what to expect. When you throw somebody else in the mix, that becomes a little bit, well, yeah. not a little bit, a lot more difficult to, on the communication side of it. It's crazy because we know throughout the season, most of the times – there's going to be an injury, you know, something happens, a guy's not able to play, mm-hmm. and that person, you know, someone would have to step in for someone else. But I understand exactly what you're saying, though. You know, yeah. you got to at least have that, that those five people on the same page. On the same page. It would be a lot easier to incorporate a change into that yeah. than having, you know, three or four different moving pieces. On yeah, that. I think, I think you, you limit the moving pieces on the offensive line. I think other, other positions, I think defensive line is a, is, is a place where you can shuffle, and you do. You shuffle guys in, in and out. Uh, all the time. I just I look at the template with with the the best offensive line coach that ever coached me was Alex Gibbs, mm-hmm. and his template was you are in the game, you play until you're dead, and then you're gone, and right. then we'll bring then we'll bring the next guy in. <laughs> right? that, that, that was it. That's it. Yeah, he doesn't shuffle guys in. And I remember being you know I backed up Tommy Nail and I was a swing guy, and I'd be on the sideline, I'd be like. Tommy Nealon's never getting hurt. He doesn't get hurt. He doesn't, that's going to happen. So it was a little bit frustrating, but I get it. I do understand it because it's so important. And when you have miscommunication, you have misassignments, that's where you can get people hurt. Yeah. Right? And we're not talking about getting, you know, having someone get hurt and it's just, oh, you just get the next guy in there. What if your $34, $35 million quarterback gets hurt? Right? That's yeah. what we're talking about. That's, these, these five guys are protecting your – your 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 most expensive and most valuable asset on the field in your entire season, right there. Exactly. I mean, yeah. we, we were kind of joking around about Matt Castle a little earlier, but I guarantee most Patriots fans thought, oh, "Okay, it's over." Now they they got kind of, I mean, they got kind of screwed by the fact that they didn't make it in with eleven wins. Let's be honest about that. Mm. But the fact is that their season 
in week one when Tom Brady went changes. down, changed everything. Changes everything. Yeah. Changes everything. And I think, and, and so that that's why that's the importance of the offensive line. So I think that's another thing that they do have to solve in the offseason. That has to be a priority. That has to be. And, I, and they know it. We're not. You say, you say quarterback's still number one. I, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, absolutely. And I think, you you know, you had high hopes. And I, I know that there's uh, there's loyalty in this organization. And I, I know that they, they want the best for these guys to, to get, a, get, get a chance and get on the field and prove that they can play. But I think what, what I think if they, if they want that, they will bring in a veteran quarterback in that room. Because I think that's another thing that was lacking in the mm-hmm. quarterback room this year. You had three guys that were relatively inexperienced, didn't have the leadership qualities. What if you put, a, what, what if you put a, uh, an Alex Smith in that, in that in that room, no, we've been saying that elevates yeah. the yeah. that elevates the the entire room. Yeah, well, in this division, we we all said, "Hey, Alex Smith puts you in the conversation of winning the division, if not a playoff team, right?" Or there. even just yeah. a, a marginal, not yeah. I wouldn't say marginal, marginal quarterback, but like Josh McNown, a guy like that, exactly would yeah. elevate it. Even if you're if you're drafting a quarterback in the first round, I think a veteran is definitely coming yeah. in. Yes, yeah. yeah. Because for one thing, you need to go into the draft with not necessarily tipping your hand. Let's say you. You think you're drafting a quarterback early? That's well and good, but you still have to go into the court into the draft, saying, "Okay, well, we've got a guy that we could start and be comfortable with." Yes. So, check that. Way, check the box. Exactly. One like the Bears had with with Mike Glennon last year. So one way or another, I think you've got in March you have a quarterback that you're comfortable starting in Week One. Period. Couple pieces of news that just uh, came out. We're we're finding out from Chris Mortensen that Wyoming quarterback Josh Allen is going to accept his invite into the Senior Bowl. So this is something we were discussing. Mm-hmm. We all already know the Broncos are going to be coaching the North team with Baker Mayfield. That's the eighth quarterback in this game too. Now, some, most years the Senior Bowl has six. A few years they've had eight. This year it's eight. Obviously, something it's it's a deep quarterback class this year. We've talked about that at length, and certainly the top of the group of the Senior Bowl with. Baker Mayfield, Josh Allen, Mason Rudolph is as good as that game has had in quite a while. It's been since 2006 that they actually had a Heisman winner at, at the Senior Bowl. So it's kind of again, Tim Tebow was there, but he was that wasn't the year he that won the year's Heisman. Heisman winner. Yes, that year's Heisman winner since 2006. I, I know. I you know I even try to throw out a cool stat, and it's still not like sorry. I don't phrase it right. No, that's all right. It's my bad. My bad. I should phrase it, was it correctly. Troy Smith, right? <laughs> yes, that's right. Oh my God! Wow, you're that's amazing. <laughs> Look at you. Ugh. You're a rock star, and he did it without notes. I know. I I <laughs> I spent all night on that. No, that's not true. That's not true. I just happened to come across it. All right. So uh, Josh Allen's going to be at the Senior Bowl. Of course, we'll be covering Sweet. the Senior Bowl here Ooh. in a couple of weeks. All right. So Casey Jones says the number one priority for the Broncos in the offseason is quarterback, despite the fact that he is a champion as an offensive lineman. That's news. We're going to put that out. We're going to print it. Uh, the breaking news, of course, coming out just a little bit ago is that it looks like Wyoming quarterback Josh Allen is going to accept his invite into the Senior Bowl, according to Chris Mortensen. So this is a nice little class of quarterbacks oh, that are going to be man. at the Senior Bowl mm-hmm. coming up here in a few weeks, as we'll uh, be covering it there. The Broncos will be coaching Baker Mayfield and the North team. A lot of excitement around him. Casey, let me ask you. I mean, you I don't know how much college football you continue to watch. I mean, you did mention uh, that you watch your Canes, but with these quarterbacks, with this young crop of quarterbacks, what what do you see? I mean, are there some observations you have on any of these guys? Uh, yeah, I know. I got to watch uh, Josh Allen. A uh, good friend of mine coaches at the University of Oregon, Mario Cristobal. He invited me to the Oregon-Wyoming game up in Laramie uh, a few months back, and I got to see firsthand Josh Allen. 
Uh, didn't have a great performance, but I can see what others see in him. Mm-hmm. He's a big, tall. He's a big athlete. Oh, yeah. He's a big athlete. Looks like looks like a kid. He's got. He's definitely got some got some maturing to do physically. Uh, but the guy can sling it. The guy can absolutely sling oh, yeah. it. He's going to be able to make all the all the throws that a quarterback needs to do. Uh, what you know against Power Five competition? It's terrible. He's terrible. I think it's one to five touchdown to, to interception ratio. Like it's, it's bad. Let me stop you it's real bad. quick. I, w- I want to ask you about the the make all the throws because yeah. that's something we say a lot about quarterbacks. But the more that I am around the NFL and the more that I'm around, even even just exi- for example, the Broncos quarterbacks, you know, you get to a point where the abilities start to even out a little bit more at this level as far as who can mm-hmm. throw a football yeah. and who can maybe move around in a pocket. They all have you know differing levels of that. Yeah. But for me, the mental part of it is so significant. The ability yeah. to process, the ability to catch up to the speed of the game, yes. and that's what I, and that's what makes it so tough. Because what do you, how do you measure that? How do you know from a college quarterback if he can get that? Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I, I and there really isn't a measure measurement for that, right? You, the one that doesn't test that. I, <laughs> the wonder I think you have to. I think you have to actually spend time and get to know a kid. I think you have to spend time and sit down with him and get to know him and understand how he processes information. I think that's. I think that's probably the best way. And I think, you know, if there are misses, uh, going back to the draft, I think that it, there are misses because didn't spend enough time evaluating how they process information. I, and I think also, also quarterbacks nowadays, even with, even with Josh Allen, they're all going to have some sort of uh, – there, there's, there's a gap there, right, between college and the spread system, which everybody – all co- college quarterbacks are using that spread system. Mm-hmm. Now, there's very rarely a prototypical pro-style quarterback coming out in the draft now. Uh, how they how they're gonna how they're gonna close that gap as far as calling a play in the huddle? There's a mm-hmm. lot there's a lot of verbiage in a, in an offensive huddle. Right? You're talking about personnel. You're talking about motion. You're talking about formation. You're talking about strength. You're talking mm-hmm. about the play. You're talking about the route tree. You're talking about all those things. And just from that standpoint, that adjustment is huge. So I think you have to get to know a kid, and you have to understand how their process works and how fast they're going to be able to close that gap. I think that's and I think that's that's what they're going to evaluate a lot in in these senior bowls as well. With Allen, there were there were some things that look like that Craig Bowl as coach did to kind of work with him and get him ready. For instance, their base offense wasn't having him under center, but they would run a few snaps every mm-hmm. game under center. It seemed like it was kind of to help him out. Mm-hmm. How much of a leg up would that give him on some quarterbacks who are? in offense that just had them in spread shotgun stuff it, exclusively. It's all reps, right? And what do they talk about? It's 10,000 uh, reps for mastery, mm-hmm. right? So he's one he's one closer to the 10,000, <laughs> <laughs> you know? But I think that's – I think, you know, all these quarterbacks are going to come out with that deficit from you know, being in the huddle and having pr- – first, what does a quarterback have? Presence, mm-hmm. right? He's the leader, right? Everybody, my eyes on me. I'm talking. I'm delivering this message. I'm, I'm telling you guys what, what we're going to do on this play. Right, then actually performing that, calling the play, getting up to getting up to the to center, getting under center. Right, there's some quarterbacks that never bent their knees in their lives. Mm. Right, there's quarterbacks. I mean, and that's that's the big that's the I, I think the big deficit that they have to fill is all of these things. Who is the quarterback on this list that can close that gap the the quickest, and who's going to be able to be that quarterback, that pro style quarterback, the fastest out of this bunch? I think that's going to be the one that that, that they're going to look look to take if they're going to draft the quarterback in the first round. Agreed. What are the thoughts about some of the other quarterbacks? Baker Mayfield, of course, is a bit of a lightning rod yeah. for a lot of people. Some people say, I see Johnny Manziel 2.0. Nah. Some people, yes, yeah, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not the same way. Yeah. And, and I, want, I just want to give you a warning here. 
Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, let's, let's talk about that. But I just want to warn you, Andrew Mason, underneath all of the uh, the layers right now is actually an <laughs> Oklahoma Sooners. Oh, come on. Hey, he, 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 Mayfield jersey. So I'm just giving you the heads We've up. We've talked a little bit about Baker Mayfield. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, he's compelling. Yes, yeah. he right? He's compelling. The, the story of him being a walk-on at Texas Tech and then losing losing the job, right, and then going walking on, not just walking on to Oklahoma – Actually, physically walking onto campus, yeah. all the coaches were unaware of his presence, and then walking onto the field as a walk-on, <laughs> a literal walk-on, a literal, literal in every sense of yeah. the word, a walk-on, and then winning the Heisman Trophy and doing it you know, in, in such a competitive and compelling way. I, I love it. I love it. I met him and his family at the Heisman. He is not. He is. There's no Johnny Manziel there. Mm-hmm. They're salt of the earth. He is a competitor. He is a competitor, and he has that intangible. You look at all this list. Who has that intangible leadership quality, that fire? That's Baker Mayfield. And, like, if that's, and if that's what you want to draft, that's what you're going to get. Well, I think that's what a lot of Broncos are looking to see from their sure. quarterback. Something sure. that we really haven't seen here for the last couple of years. And again, it doesn't mean because you have fire and competition that you're going to be a good quarterback. But the thing is, he does show signs of a good quarterback. Yeah, I say the only thing that when I have watched him that tends to be, I guess what some of the analysts will look at is he doesn't tend to make tight window throws right. as often. He, he does tend to hold and wait, and if not... Now, he's not like a look-to-scramble guy. That's right. not the way I would describe Baker's game, but I would say that there are times when it seems like if the guy's not wide open or sure. way, well open, that he will either tuck it and run or or look to make a move right. with his legs. Or he's going to move with his legs to get somebody open. Exactly. He'd, he'd rather choose that than force, right. than force a ball. Yeah, so, but see, in the NFL, those windows tighten up a lot. Of course. And of I think course. that's, and I don't know, is that a real, is that a real criticism? Is that, I, I, I kind of feel like it is. It's a, it's a criticism, but it's an adjustment he's going to have to make. And that's something that you start finding out about, frankly, when you get down to Mobile. You start putting some pro co- concepts in there. And, and that's where you say, okay, you watched him say the first day of practice, say, okay, you had this throw, it was a tight window, but maybe you didn't make it. And then you see if he tries to make that decision the next day. You want to see growth from day to day. You want to see him apply a lesson from day one and take it on the field into day two. And if he successfully does that, then that's something that can really intrigue you. That was something that really jumped out with Carson Wentz a couple of years ago, that you, that he would be taught something on day one. You could see that he would make kind of make a mistake on day one, and then on day two it would be corrected and integrate into his game. And it was remarkable to kind of see the growth from day one to day two, how he would kind of adjust his game to a teaching or to the speed that he was facing going from FCS to facing some bigger, stronger athletes that he was seeing out there. And when I was watching those practices, that's when I was thinking, wow, he's really taking those steps that he's had that he needs to. This kid's going to be ready for the NFL. And, you know, the thing that impressed me is he was – First at Texas Tech, he learned that offense. I think he started yeah. eight games in 2013. Had a decent season. Uh, As a walk-on? Yeah, 2,300 yards. Yeah, he started eight games. And then 2014, I guess he didn't play, or he was at Oklahoma, but he didn't contribute. Came in, learned the Oklahoma system, and went in and started for three straight years and played at an extremely I high level. It. Quarterback rating 173, 196, 198. Just – Really off the charts, man, and he's he's been consistent. We know that he's a worker, and yeah. we know that he can pick up an offensive system. And it's, I, I'm impressed with this guy. I mean, with the numbers and 
Uh, the only drawback that people talk about is his height. Uh, right. And hopefully that, that doesn't hold him back. We'll get a chance to see him up close and personal once we get out uh, to Mobile, Alabama for the Senior Bowl as well. So uh, we'll be able to give our the, our personal opinions. Well, of there'll it. be the weigh-in on Tuesday morning of Senior Bowl week, and everyone's going to be noting what the exact height is because those college heights are sometimes <laughs> oh, yeah. a little bit <laughs> off. They sometimes a little generous. add an inch or two, so... It'll be interesting to hear if the first digit on Baker Mayfield is a five or a six. (laughs) (laughs) And before we go this week and look at the weekend playoff games, of course, the Broncos aren't in the postseason, but still plenty of interest in what's going on in the wild card round. What do we expect to happen? Well, Casey, Ryan, Steve, and myself give a quick breakdown of what we expect Our predictions, we have a lot of fun with them, and we're going to find out in the postseason if Ryan and Steve can catch up to me. I've got the lead in the prediction race we've been having on Orange and Blue 760. Can I hold on to it? I've threatened to go all four corners on those guys and protect the lead by simply picking whatever they pick. We'll see about that. Of course, they made me predict first on some of the games, so I can't simply follow what they're doing. It's the golf thing, you know, whoever's done the best on the previous hole has the honors so I had the honors on a couple of games here so in any case what do we think is going to happen on wild card weekend find out with our prediction segment but it's time now where's our music Regis got to get to our expert NFL picks wild card weekend edition the last time we did this Steve Atwater did not play a full 60-minute game. That's right. Steve Atwater, he came up short by about a quarter. So he's looking to get back on track. Now, Steve Atwater said earlier in the show he's going to only pick the home teams. Steve, are you going to stay with that? Because I don't need What'd to come you to say? you. <laughs> I, don't, I don't need to come to you for your picks if you're just going to stay with the home teams. Why don't you turn your mic there? Yes, I'm going with the home team. I'm going to stick with the home team. <laughs> I'll, still come with, I'll still come to you for analysis, just not your picks. All right, so there you go. We'll start with the Titans and Chiefs. And by the way, Casey Jones is going to pick games in this too. So uh, get a a chance to get a little – you know, it might be if you have a good weekend, we'll call you back on Friday. Well, hey, what what do you want to do for the divisional round? Mace, Chiefs favored by 8.5 at home against the Titans. Chiefs historically with Andy Reid, Alex Smith, not a great playoff team. Titans are not a very good team either. Uh, And backsliding into the postseason. And absolutely backsliding into the postseason – However, at home, at Arrowhead, I kind of have to feel like the Chiefs are going to win this one. Yeah, and the Chiefs actually had that slump but got things back together toward the end of the season. Defense played a bit better, but really the offense found its groove in December. I think they're going to have too much firepower for Tennessee on Saturday. Kansas City wins comfortably. All right, KC, what do you think? You going to pick KC? It's the swan song of Alex Smith now, right? That's a good point. This is this is his last chance. I think I think at home the Chiefs are too tough. Uh, Mariota, love him, great. I think he's still a couple years away, so I'm going with the Chefs. All right, and Steve Allard taking the Chiefs. You any particular reason? Or are you just taking home teams? Oh, I'm just taking home team. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, science, baby. You, you know, know like, they, they came in here last week and uh, they they beat they beat us with Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. You know, their guys. A lot of their guys didn't play. Yep. Everybody will be back up, feeling healthy. Uh, Travis Kelsey back in the mix. 
Kareem Hunt. What else? Yeah, I mean, I mean, we're, we're, I think we're all on the same page. They have, they have so much firepower. The Titans have not been a, a good defense this year, especially against the pass. Opportunities for Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill to both get on track. Kareem Hunt, really, this last month, he was Rookie of the Month for the, as far as um, not just running backs, but anybody. So he he's coming on strong. Yes, Kansas City. They might put up 40 on him. They might put up 40 on him. Rams, Falcons. Now, this one could be interesting. Of course, Steve's already taking the Rams. They're favored by six at home. But the Falcons... More experience. Rams have come on strong this year, but is it enough to win in the postseason? Andrew Mason, I'll go to you first here. What do you got in this one? Well, the thing about the Falcons is that this offense just hasn't been as efficient as it was last year. I mean, they, they get yards, but not points. And that can be dangerous against a Wade Phillips defense. I like the Rams at home in this game. And remember, the Rams almost beat the Eagles at home did beat the Saints at home. I like L.A. in this game. All right, KC. L.A. in the Coliseum, right? That's LA right. Cos- yep. 94,000 people show up, you think, for the first for the Could first be, playoff yeah. game in, in L.A. in a long yeah. – how, wow. how many years, Steve? How many years since, since they played a, a playoff team, we playoff game in Steve, the Coliseum? <laughs> no, we don't want to remind Steve of the last oh, NFL come playoff on. game don't go in the there. Coliseum. Don't go there. Yes. Don't go there. I'm yeah, sorry. sorry. I apologize. Let's not bring that up. Thanks, man. Yeah. I apologize. <laughs> I uh, I I'm picking the upset, man. I like Matt Ryan, there and I like, is. and I think it's going to be on the toe of one Matt Bosher from the University of Miami. Oh, he's going to win one late. He's going to sneak one in, and they're they're the Falcons are going to escape. They're going to redeem themselves from last year, and they're going to escape with a win from the Coliseum. All right. Of the four road teams this weekend, this one feels like the most likely yeah. chance yes. for a for a road team to win. With Matt Ryan, too. And I'm going to take the Falcons on the road. Love it. Because it's the most likely chance for a road team to win, in my opinion. So I'm with you on that. The Bills and the Jags. Jaguars, also a bit of a surprise team this year. Favored by eight and a half against the Cinderella Buffalo Bills. Don't need to come to Steve Atwater. I already know he's taking the Jags. Let's go to you, KC. Let's go to you with this one, Jags-Bills. Where are the Bills practicing right now? Great question. <laughs> Probably in their field house. Yeah. Right? They have field house right next to their stadium. I think it's just too much disruption. And then playing away, I think Jacksonville I think Jacksonville wins this. Blake Bortles is going to come out. He's going to be slinging it. Uh, and then Phileas Campbell is another cane. Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm going with the canes, baby. Mm-hmm. Alan Hearns, another cane. Brandon Linder, another cane. I'm <laughs> going with, I'm going with the canes. The Jacksonville canes. Florida State. Yeah. Nah. <laughs> boo. <Mason. laughs> Quickly here, Will, what do you got? Too much Jazz defense, and they'll, have, and they'll be able to run the ball effectively on Buffalo. Jacksonville wins. I think Jacksonville wins, too. The Bills have uh, had up-and-down performances this year, but I, I think that they, them backing into the playoffs is not going to prove momentum-wise for them to win. Finally, Saints-Panthers, maybe the best game of the weekend. New Orleans favored by seven points in this game. Steve's got the Saints. But, man, I tell you, I don't feel, I don't feel, yeah. you don't feel confident good, about it, man, because you never know which Cam Newton's going to show up. We yeah. got 20 seconds here, Mace. I've got the Saints at home. Carolina a little bit inconsistent. Give me New Orleans. All right, KC. Who that? Saints. Who that? Hey, give me the Saints as well. That's my Super Bowl team. I think they're going to go all the way. Thanks to KC Jones for joining us, and thank you for listening to this week's edition of the Horse and Round Podcast. Join us next week, and we'll have plenty more in the weeks to come. Of course, in a couple of weeks, Steve and I will be going down to St. Petersburg, Florida for the East West Shrine game. 
And then beyond that, Steve and I and the entire DenverBroncos.com team will be going to Mobile, Alabama to cover the Broncos coaching staff. And of course, all the players will be down at the Senior Bowl in Mobile. It's going to be a big, big week for the Broncos and a big, big week potentially in determining what they may do in the draft. So the Broncos aren't in the postseason, but this is still going to be a crucial month in determining where they go from here. They've got to nail this draft. It's vital for getting themselves out of the muck in which they find themselves after a 5-11 and finish. We're going to be all over the coverage looking at players who could be the next generation of Broncos who could help them out of where they stand right now. Thanks for joining us. Talk to you next week.